From 9 News in Denver, Colorado, this is Blame. An ongoing investigation into a mother's death, her husband's secrets, and the lax police work that put Blame squarely on the shoulders of their six-year-old son. Was the shooting of Jill Wells really an accident? Join 9 Wants to Know in our pursuit to discover, is someone else to blame? A gunshot echoes across a windswept prairie. A young mother dead. Knowing everything. You know, we have no proof of anything. We know now. An investigation over before it began. That child was innocent. I feel like I failed him too. Got feelings. Oh man, if I just would have known this a long time there ago. There's a lot of red flags. And an unanswered question. The preponderance of evidence. Oh, I would have done something about this. This really points to a homicide. Was a six-year-old really to blame? story about a family tragedy. A fairly young mother in her 30s was shot and killed during a family target practice session out on the eastern plains of Colorado. Her six-year-old son was blamed for the shooting by her husband, who said the boy wanted to try his dad's gun, and when he tried it, it accidentally went off and it hit the woman in the head and killed her. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that that's not exactly what happened. I'm Kevin Vaughn, an investigative reporter at Nine News in Denver. I've been thinking about that six-year-old boy, Tanner Wells, for years. And I started looking into the day that changed his life forever. It was March 28, 2001, the day Tanner's mother, Jill Wells, died after being shot in the head. Tanner's father, Mike Wells, called it an awful accident. But was it? Did Tanner fire that shot? I'm asking questions along with executive producer Nicole Vapp and producer Anna Hewson about Jill's death, about the evidence or lack of it, about those niggling questions that eat at everyone who hears this story. A story of a death investigation that was essentially closed in less than 24 hours. How many pages long was the original report? Two. Woman dies. Woman shot in the head and killed. And it's two pages long. Two pages long. And um, not only that, um, so this shooting was reported on March 28, 2001 at 2.11 in the afternoon, 2.11 p.m. Well, it was reported a little earlier than that. 2.11 is when the officers arrived at the scene. March 28th. Uh, March 29th. At 12.10 p.m., so 22 hours later, the sheriff at the time gave all the guns back to Mike Wells. Like investigation over? Investigation over. As a reporter, I'm always interested in looking at cases where people believe the system has let them down. Jill's younger sister, Julie Evenson, definitely feels that way. And after years of questions, she found herself in Colorado visiting from her home in the Midwest. It was seven years after Jill's death. Julie pulled off Interstate 70 and drove into the tiny Plains town of Hugo. She walked into the front door of the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. I said, I want to go talk to the sheriff. I told him, you know, that I had got the case file and I felt like it wasn't a very good investigation and could he please look into it, you know? So someone at Lincoln County took this on? Yes, I'm guessing here. 
because I don't know. But it looks to me like it was a young, uh, eager deputy who took this very seriously. Her body was exhumed as part of that investigation. The more we looked into this case, the more we realized just how much was left out of this investigation. Things that are commonplace in shooting deaths. For starters, the gun Mike Wells said fired the fatal shot wasn't even tested. So there were bullet fragments recovered from her brain. They were sent to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation for ballistics testing. Um, as you know, um, barrels on guns, on most guns, not on shotguns, but on most other guns, have rifling in them. Rifling is a groove cut down the inside of the barrel and it's done to spin the bullet when it's fired, which makes it much more accurate, keeps it from tumbling through the air, and it keeps it flying like a, like a, like a bullet. When we went over records about the scene of the shooting, we learned how little attention was paid to evidence. The way that this was done was they had a couple of hay bales stacked with a target like tacked up to it. Mm -hmm. And then they, were, they had an old foam mattress laying on the ground and they were laying on the ground with their rifles and shooting. And so Jill was actually prone on the ground with a gun when she was shot. So according to this former coroner, what he said to me was, look at the crime scene photographs of her. He said her body is staged. It's like it's staged. Just look at it and you'll agree. By any objective measure, a sparse investigation of this. The two-page report, the release of the weapons less than 24 hours later, the fact that Tanner, the only interview with Tanner that was done was while he was sitting on his father's lap in the house right after. They didn't try to separate him and say, could you just tell us what happened? That interview, according to records, was audio taped. That tape is missing in action, nowhere to be found. Well, there are many things to this uh, story that I find um, uh, almost so, so surprising it seems like they can't possibly be real. I have the hardest time thinking about a six-year-old boy thinking that he killed his mother. He has told people that, I don't think I shot my mom. But think about where he's got to go next, right? If he didn't do it. Right. If he didn't do it, if he goes there mentally, all the way there, that means he has to conclude that his father shot his mother. But right now, we still don't know, was it an accident or was it murder? We're trying to answer for this family, for her, was this an accident or a murder? You know it's beautiful up here. Don't you think it's beautiful up here? It is. It's a little it's, windy. It's a little windy, but it's a it's a beautiful little town and Pikes Peak, which is just majestic and looks just spectacular today. And I think of this as being a, a, a kind of a paradise. We hit the road looking for answers about the day Jill Wells was shot in the head. The day her six-year-old son Tanner was blamed for firing that shot. 
Our journey takes us first to Woodland Park, 85 miles from the ranch where she died. It's the town where Jill and her husband Mike made their home, the place Mike and Tanner and his little brother returned to after her death, the place where she was buried. One of the questions I've always wondered about this case is why did Mike Wells rent a ranch that was 90 miles east of here on the high plains of, of eastern Colorado. It was, at the time, portrayed as an effort to have a place that for his family to get away. And yet I look at this town, Woodland Park, and the area around it, and the, the mountains to the west, and I think, what better place to get away than right here, right almost literally in your own backyard? And so, you know, that's one of the questions I've always had. That, um, you know, you don't know what other people think. I just feel like if I lived here and was looking for a getaway spot, that I would be heading the other direction up into the hills. Any idea? No, but I know what her, I have a picture of her gravestone. It's heart-shaped, so it should be reasonably easy to pick out. Yeah, we're going to the cemetery today in Woodland Park where Jill Wells and Mike Wells are both buried. And I can't, I can't really explain why I feel like we should do that, but I think every story like this that involves a tragedy I think it's really important to remember that it's a tragedy that affected real people. And in this case, Jill Wells is dead. And she's buried in a cemetery in the town that she lived in and that she loved. And I feel like I need to go to see that. I feel like it leads to a better understanding in some strange way of her, of her life, of the value of her life. And I also, in a, again, in a different kind of a way, I feel like it's paying respects on a certain level. Um, over the years, I've, got, I've visited cemeteries a number of times for different stories, and I always kind of have the same reaction. It's very solemn, and, and so I think, um, I just think it's one of those things that's important to do. So this is the grave of Jill Wells and Mike Wells. Okay, I need to take a time out. You're right to be thinking at this point, I knew Jill Wells was dead, but Mike? Jill was killed in 2001 during a family target shooting session. Her husband Mike told authorities it was the couple's six-year-old son who accidentally pulled the trigger. It wasn't immediately questioned by the local sheriff. And just as people finally did start asking questions, Mike Wells died of a drug overdose. This is what makes it real, you know. Jill Wells, loving mother and wife, mother of Tanner and Jacob. August 10th, 1963, March 28th, 2001. Michael Dean Wells, October 30th, 1962, August 3rd, 2008. No farewell words were spoken, no time to say goodbye. You were gone before we knew it and only God knows why. 
guess when I was standing at, at the grave there, I was imagining the day 15 years ago when the people who loved Jill were gathered around that spot for a graveside service and for her to be laid to rest. And it, it, I don't know what to say except that it, uh, it affected me. It, it, it made the story real. It was no longer just about names and words and official documents and on paper. It was about a real person who was taken from this life far too soon, no matter what happened. A person who had parents and siblings who loved her and a person who had children that loved her and that she loved and a, a person who worked as a nurse and, you know, helped people in need, a person whose life was valuable. And so, you know, I was very quiet there. It was very peaceful there, which, you know, was interesting because you could hear the you could hear the hum of the tires out on the highway and you could hear off in the distance somewhere somebody's building a home or something and you could hear the the pop 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 of the pneumatic nail gun but it was also there in the cemetery just the wind sort of working its way through the ponderosa and and I could hear birds and and it was just really quiet and peaceful. So one of the people that I want to talk to is a woman named Terry Willoughby. She was a close friend of Jill Wells's and talked to her quite regularly in the years and months before Jill died about everything. They were very good friends. Terry and Jill knew each other from uh, church. Jill confided in Terry on some of the difficulties in her own life and some of her, um, some of the couple's problems with money and also some of her, some of her fears about um, whether Mike was being unfaithful to her and even about the fact that she was buying a lot more life insurance shortly before she died at Mike's insistence. Terry lived in Woodland Park back then, uh, but now she and her husband live in North Africa, so it's going to be a little more challenging to talk to her. We're going to have to figure out how to use technology to do that. But um, You've had conversations with her in the past? I've had conversations with her in the past. She, like a lot of people, was suspicious right from the get-go, right from the very first day that she learned about Jill's death, about what really happened. And, you know, she has expressed to me that doubt uh, in the past and continues to wonder about what happened and continues to be interested in, in in finding out the truth if that's possible and if it's not possible to find out the entire truth to find out as much of the truth as can be obtained so that she can 
I guess, make some judgments in her own mind about what she thinks about all of this. It's interesting to me that 15 years have gone by and, you know, yesterday I talked to an attorney who was involved in this case who said to me, I think about this case from time to time and I think about Tanner and I wonder about what happened and I wonder how he's doing. And in an email correspondence with Terry Willoughby uh, over the last day or so, she's expressed that same sort of desire and that same sort of thought that this, even though 15 years have passed, this is not out of her mind. It's not forgotten about. Jill Wells is not forgotten about. And the hope that the truth can be found is not forgotten about. Next time on Blame. What is known? Is she still alive, sir? About the day Jill Wells died. Nobody investigated it. And to those who responded to the scene? We all talked about it ourselves. We all thought, what a perfect place to commit murder. Still think about the shooting? It was something different than what it was reported to me, and that child was innocent. He needs to know. And the boy who was to blame. Blame is a production of KUSA-TV, Nine News, and Tegna Media. Nicole Vapp is executive producer, Anna Houston is the producer and editor, and I'm investigative reporter Kevin Vaughn. Find photographs, police reports, maps, and other evidence on ninenews.com slash blame. <laughs>